0: Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. You know, I I get so excited about today because this truly is one of the greatest days to ever celebrate. And it's also one of the greatest stories to ever share. And it's not just a story for a few. It's a story for everyone. And it's a story that is eternal. It's a story that is everlasting. It's a story of victory. It's a story of, of, of conquest. It's a, it's a story of remembrance. And, and, you know, we all hear many stories in life. I used to, I used to love every evening sharing stories with my children. I would share Robin Hood stories. And Jeremy knows that I would make up a Robin Hood story every night. And they were good. (laughs) And they were fun. And you know, make up a new story every night for I don't know how many years we did. I'm not gonna do my Robin Hood stories. But you know it was always a story of Robin Hood, you know, in his victory and his conquest and how he overcame, you know, the 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 evil empire. But bottom line is this. <laughs> my stories were for my children. This story is for everyone. And this story is something that can be everybody can receive it. And everybody can enter into it. You know, I, I, and it's a story that we just can't help but keep talking about because it's a story that lives on. It's a story of realizing that we have been set free from, from a ruthless slave, we have been set free from the bondage of slavery. And, you know, the Egyptians with Pharaoh, when they, when they oppressed the Israelites for 400 years, they were in bondage. And they were having to, to make brick out of hay and, and, and mud and straw and, and build empires for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was a representation of, of Satan, a type and shadow. And for them to be liberated from the bondage of, of the oppression of slavery for 400 years, you better believe they were excited. And, and being set free from something when you've been held down by something is so liberating to the heart. We have all been set free. Everybody at different levels, we've all been set free From the struggles of the impact of the evil one that had a hold on our lives. So I want to share with you the greatest story ever told. And this story is one that's for you and it's for me. So Luke 24, turn there, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood there near near them in dazzling clothes. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, "Why do you seek the living? Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here." He is risen. And remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest... Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James. Also, the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. Verse 11. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. Think about that. Nonsense. And they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the Lening Rapids only, and he went away to his home marveling at what just happened. Well, what just happened was a glorious victory of our Savior. He suffered the greatest agony of any man could ever suffer. He was marred and beaten beyond recognition. He was nailed to the cross. By three nails. And he suffered. He died and shed his blood on the cross for us. He was buried. And he went and experienced death himself for you. And in that. Before he rose from the grave. He did one last thing. He victoriously defeated the evil one. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit and was seated at the right hand of the Father. And for his disciples to say that it was nonsense, you got to think that that probably ruffled his feathers a little bit. He went I don't think he didn't say this in scripture but I'm thinking he's probably thinking you're kidding me. You're really kidding me. I've just paid it all. I've suffered it all. I died for you and I was raised for you and you think this is nonsense? You know the scripture says that in Mark 16, 14, this is on talking about the, um, the resurrection. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves, and they were reclining at the table. And he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. It also says that he rebuked them. He rebuked them. He's saying, you mean to tell me I've paid it all for you? And you think it's nonsense? And in that, and he rebuked them because of their hardness of heart and because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Jesus appears to his disciples. He appears to them three times after his resurrection to solidify in the hearts of them that he was risen from the grave, that he rose victoriously, defeated the devil, kicked him in the teeth, and he was triumphant over him. So the goodness of the Lord is he wasn't just going to say, you know what? I've had it with you guys. He was long-suffering and so kind. He realized that their hearts needed to embrace and receive the good news, and believe it. You know, for many years, I would share the good news of Jesus with my father. And my father would say, yeah, 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 I believe, yeah. But my dad never in all his life received the good news into his heart. And it was only the night before he passed away when he laid in bed, and I broke bread with my father. And I shared with him the broken body of Jesus, how he suffered for him. And I said, Dad, he shed his blood for you. And we shared in communion together, and we drank the blood. And I said, Dad, this was done for you because the consequence of you not believing what Jesus had done is going to be eternal separation from God the Father forever where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and i said dad the fine men have strong wills and i said you're going to have to be you're going to have to come to your senses and realize That your strong will is keeping you from receiving the good news of Jesus into your heart. I said, Dad, this was the greatest story ever told. Aren't you ready to receive the good news of Jesus and be forgiven of your sin and live with Him forevermore? I said, I don't know if I'm gonna see you tomorrow. I don't know if you're gonna make it through the surgery. I don't know what's gonna happen. I said, Dad, and the thought of you being, for you being separate from me, away from me, and you're in hell, and I'm in heaven, is unthinkable. I cannot process the reality that you would not be with me. And, Dad, I need the assurance of knowing that tonight you're ready to receive the good news of Jesus and believe in your heart that he died for your sin. I said, Dad, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to believe? And he said, Son, I'm ready. And I said, Dad, I said, This is the greatest day of my life. With you. And I was able to lead my dad in a sinner's prayer. And then he looked at me and he said, You know, son, would you please pray for me that Jesus goes with me into that room, that hospital room, surgery room? And I said, Dad, I'll be honored, too. And I'm glad and I'm so grateful to the Lord Jesus for being long-suffering for my dad. <laughs> he did not give up on my dad. Eighty-one years he did not give up on him until he finally surrendered his knee to Jesus. So aren't you glad that the Lord didn't give up on the disciples? Aren't you glad that the Lord didn't give up on you? Aren't you glad that the Lord waited for you to realize that you've made a mess, a big mess, and that you're tired of your mess, and finally you're ready to surrender your heart to Jesus? Because the consequences of that is that your life would be given over to the tormentor. Life without Christ is torment. It's just torment. And in that, Jesus met them three times after his resurrection to basically drill down the reality of the good news of the gospel of what he just did. He was drilling down into their hearts. You know, because... He could have just said, you know what, guys? I spoke very clear to you in Galilee. I said to you, I was going to be suffer in the hands of sinful man. I was going to be crucified, but I was going to be raised up on the third day. I told you that. Why didn't you believe it? He gave them opportunities to finally bend their knees and receive Jesus. So I want to look at the three times that Jesus appeared to his disciples. So let's look at John 20, verse 19 through 23. And this first time that he meets with them, he gives them the ability and the power to overcome fear. Because fear paralyzes, fear will torment you, fear will will try to derail you, Fear will try to say that it's over with, you've done too much, you can't be saved, you've sinned too much, you've given up. Fear will, will basically begin to immobilize you so that you cannot even make choices and decisions. But the good news of Jesus is that he defeated all fear. So if you're experiencing fear, the power Of the good news of the gospel is here today to set you free from fear. You might even be a blood-bought Christian, but you're struggling with fear. The power of the good news of this story is going to set you free from fear. Because fear is a tormentor. And God has not given you a spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you got to realize that fear is a spirit. And it's a tormentor. And it can try to get its grips into your mind and and really paralyze you. So verse 19 of, of 20 of John. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, where the disciples were, Why? For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. You know, really, you know, peace is is really the the calming presence of Jesus. It's like, whew, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) You know, I mean, because why were the disciples afraid? Well, they were afraid because they thought that the consequences of what happened to Jesus, of being crucified, What's gonna happen to them? So they were fearful. So when Jesus just steps into the room, Shazam, (laughs) and he says, Peace be with you. Jesus said, My peace I give to you. His peace is the calming presence of knowing that security is at hand. Big Brother has arrived. You know, for a long time, the disciples experienced Jesus, you know, when they, were, when they were walking through the grain fields. And all of a sudden, you know, they were hungry. Like, whoo, we're hungry. Where's the Big Mac, you know? So they start breaking off the heads of the wheat. And they start eating them. And then the Pharisees, what do they do? They jump on them. Basically saying, you broke the Sabbath. What are you doing? And they're like, I'm hungry. You know, and Jesus like steps up. I mean, he's the big brother. He puts them in their place. He shuts them down. And the fear that the Pharisees would always try to bring on them, Jesus always stood up. He always stood up, and he defended them. He said, these are my boys. Just get out of here. (laughs) So having Jesus all of a sudden appear, when they're afraid that the Pharisees are going to come get them again, At the calming presence of Jesus. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is so significant. This was the first time that the Holy Spirit entered into man. Until then, the Spirit of the Lord came upon man. This was the first moment. It says he breathed, he, the Ruach, the breath of Almighty God came on the inside of them. The living God, the love of the Father came inside their hearts. And it says, if you forgive the sins of any... Their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, then they have been retained. The scripture says that hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Jesus looked at them and breathed into them the very life of God after His death, burial, and resurrection, and His appearance to them. And the living Father, full of love, was dwelling on the inside of them and was resident there and was going to defend them. So receiving the Holy Spirit into your life, receiving the fullness of God, the love of God into your hearts, gives you the power to then overcome fear. Because why, does, why is that? Okay, if perfect love is resident within you. The scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. So all of a sudden, they had the love of God on the inside of them, and so they were able to stand in the fullness of that love It's like the love being wrapped around them. Giving them a big old hug. And telling them, you know what? It's going to be okay. And so in that, the first thing that Christ did after His death is after He he poured out His love into their hearts, the glorious thing is is that when we realize that the finished work of the cross was finished because He paid it all in full by His blood, and the debt that you and I had, which we could never pay back, the debt was so enormous in wealth, or or there just it would it be unthinkable to be able to to, oh, to pay pay it back I just heard a thud I'm like whoa what just happened but there was one last thing he needed to do after he shed his blood And that is that he was going to be descending into the lower parts of hell To defeat the evil one and take back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, which was the greatest weapon that the enemy has over us, and that is fear fear of death. And he kicked him in the teeth, he stripped him of all his power, and he paraded him around in front of all of his cronies. He was a defeated foe. So the very bondage that the devil had on God's people was broken. He set the tormentor running. Because no longer now will fear the fear of death, the fear of the unknown, the fear of not having enough, the fear of being lonely, the fear of consequences the fear of of what's going to happen in my life, the fear of getting sick, the fear of getting COVID, all of these fears that are so rampant in life, Jesus defeated every fear. It has no hold on you. Fear has been conquered. So in that, the good news is that God Almighty... Your papa lives on the inside of you. And living on the inside of you, that love conquers all things. Including the fear that was set against you. He broke the power of Satan's greatest weapon, which is fear. Colossians 2.15 says that Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away every weapon and all their spiritual authority to accuse us. You know, the enemy is a liar and a deceiver, and he's an accuser. And he will accuse you continually of your past so that you can't live in your future. He will continually tell you, you know what, you're still you know you're still a druggie. You're still an addict. You know you're still that kind of person. He'll remind you of all those things. But the devil is a liar. And the blood of the lamb has triumphed over the evil one. So that you don't have to walk in bondage to fear anymore. So I got good news for you. If even in this last week, if you have experienced fear, The good news of this story I'm sharing right now is that you can be free of all fear. It is no longer going to torment your mind. It is no longer going to have a hold on you. Romans 8:15 says this: "You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, "Abba Father!" I think that is the most incredible statement in the word. That we have the privilege of calling God Almighty Papa. Abba Father means Daddy. You get to call your daddy by that name because you have been set free from a spirit of slavery. Which led you always to fear. And now you've been adopted into Papa's house. You've been grafted and brought into the family's house. And therefore, now you are sons and daughters of the Most High. And so you all can say, Papa. Amen. Papa. Papa. What an incredible honor we have. John, 1 John 4.8 There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. When I, was, when I first received salvation, and I was filled with the Spirit, and this was back in my college days, for the very first time in my life, I experienced the love of God coming into my heart and flooding my soul. I struggled so much with insecurities and the fear of man and the fear of what other people thought of me and the fear of consequences and the fear of harm. And I was bound up in fear. And in that, when the love of God invaded my heart and I received Him into my life as my Lord and Savior, the first evident fruit of my walk with God is that I was not bound by fear anymore. I could experience the love of God inside my heart for the very first time. And therefore, I did not feel like I was a prisoner to fear anymore. And I had the ability, through His name, to tell the evil one where to go when fear tried to encroach back upon me. It did not have any place in me. But the Father's deep love flooded my heart... And there was such an intimacy, a love relationship with him that I would just sit, i wake up every morning and have my cup of coffee. And I, I can remember hours just sitting there, not even saying a word, just allowing his love to be poured into my heart. And just, it was transforming me on the inside. And you know what? When you have the love of Papa on the inside, you're not intimidated by other people. You know, it's kind of like I used to get intimidated. You know, I'd be fearful, like, ooh, ooh you, look, you look scary, you know. I would, I would be like, you know, but when, when, when love flooded my heart, I was like, y- you're not that bad looking. <laughs> and, and, and I don't have to worry that you're going to try to put me down or, you know, make me look bad or. Because I'm confident in who I am. I'm confident in love. And love needs to be welcomed and received into your heart. It has to be kind of like a cool drink. You just receive it. The love of your Father. You know, I, I have to tell you something. I mean, Jeremy can tell you. I, well, he's not even here, but i he ran away. So, but, but the thing is, is that I love to hug my kids. I want to wrap my arms around them and give them a big hug. I don't care how old they are. You know, when you're all, once you're, you're always a parent, you know? But, you know, I still want to chew off their ears, you know? Because I just, I love my children. But, you know, there's times they're like, Dad, get away from me. Come on, you know? I don't need another hug. You know, it's kind of like, it's the very thing that really we want. To be loved, but sometimes it's the very thing that we push away. Because love represents a lot of crazy things. We've seen love go sideways. But this is the perfect love of a father who will never hurt you, never harm you. Always has his best for you. He's always there for you. But he wants you to receive the love of the father deep into the recesses of your heart. Number two, He met them again a second time to drill down a little deeper that they might fully believe that He really did just rise from the grave. Because you've got to understand now, it was a progression of them believing. And see, believing in the finished work of the cross is so important. Believing not... Oh, yeah, that's just a nice story. No, it's believing it in that you surrender your heart and you receive the good news into your life that it transforms you. You can hear this story. I wonder how many people hear this Easter story, the good news. Yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, I've heard it a lot. Has your life been transformed and changed, though, by it? Do you believe it? Because... Your belief is what is hinging on you being saved. Do you believe this? And Jesus again in John 20, 24 says this. Thomas wasn't there the first time. He was like, you know, I don't know where he was. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we've seen the Lord. What did Thomas say? Well, I doubt that. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into that hole, and I put my hand on his side, I'm not going to believe. Just like Jesus was overhearing every single word Thomas said. And then what happens? Eight days later. His disciples were again in a room. And Thomas was with them this time. And so he shows up. Jesus. And he said, Thomas, come here. Come here. Come here. Reach your finger. And put it inside my hole. Put it in there. Go on. You can put your finger through that hole. He said, now... See this hole here? Here, go ahead and put your hand right there. He put his hand right there. Thomas was feeling it. He says, Do not be unbelieving anymore, Thomas. Don't be unbelieving anymore, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who did not see me, did not put their fingers in my hole in my hand, did not put their fingers in my side. But blessed are they who did not see, yet believed. But believed. This is the greatest story ever told. Do you believe? Do you believe in this moment of what Jesus has done for you? I mean, Luke 24, in verse 37, it says they were startled and frightened because they thought they were seeing a spirit when Jesus showed up. This can't be Jesus, it's a spirit. And Jesus is so I mean almost I'm sure he was like, This is getting comical. You know? This is really getting comical. He said, Does does a spirit have flesh and blood? He said, Do you have anything to eat? Give me something to eat. I'm hungry. It's been a long day. And they give him something to eat because he's refuting in their mind, this is not a spirit eating bread. This is a human being called the son of God who died for you and lives for you. A spirit doesn't eat bread. He's like, I'm going to get this unbelief out of their minds, no matter what it takes. So he keeps drilling down. I really did die, guys. And I've risen for you. I've died for you. They're starting to get it, I think. It's starting to kind of make sense. Well, he needed to see him a third time. Visit a third time to bring it home. He really needed to bring it home. So what does he do? He says, I know what I'll do. I'm going to go back in their backyard where the boys used to live, and that's where I'm going to really fully reveal myself to them. So he meets them in Galilee, the hometown boys. So in that, in this last time he meets with them, he basically overcomes every obstacle in their mind of believing the good news of the gospel by showing them that all things are possible To them who believe. All things are possible. John 21 verses 1 through 11. 21 verses 1 through 11. And after these things Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples. At the sea of Tiberias which is the sea of Galilee. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus. And Nathanael of Cana in Galilee. And the sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Do you know when things don't go your way, you go fishing. I'm going to tell you that because I'm a fisherman. Luke, when it's a bad day, what do you do? You go fishing. That's right. You go fishing. And what Peter is doing, basically, he's still not bought in to believe that his God is had died on the cross and rose from the grave. He's still wondering, is this really true? Well, I'm going to go fishing. And Jesus is so kind. I am so grateful that the Lord never gave up on me. I'm so grateful that the Lord has never given up on you. And even in your sin, he has not given up on you. In that while you were yet sinners... While you were sinning last week, Christ died for you on the cross. He died for you even while you were a sinner. So he says, I'm going fishing. And the other one said, we'll come with you. We'll come with you. I hear you, Peter. This is a rough story to believe. So they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. I wonder why. I wonder if Jesus thought, you know what? I'm just going to let them fish all night and not catch anything because I don't want them to go back to their old ways. I don't want them to go back and think they can make a living off fishing when they're to be fishers of men. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. I mean, that's you got to think about it. Their mind is going so far away from, from what Jesus just done that they don't even recognize him. That's how we can go back into our old ways, thinking, you know what? I don't want to live this life for Christ. I was better flipping burgers and drinking Coke. Yeah, right. So he said, Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have. Do you not have any fish? Do you really? They answered him. No. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll find a catch. So they cast, and then they were able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Well, by golly, he's here again. It is him. And he puts on his outer garment. He jumps in the water. He throws himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in in the little boat behind him. And for they were not far from the land, about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. They get to the shore. I'm sure he says, hey, Good seeing you, boys. So when they got out on the land, they said they saw a charcoal fire already laid and, and, and fish placed on it. And bread, and Jesus said to them, "Bring some of the fish with you. Just bring them here. Just we're going to have a nice party. We're going to eat well." Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. I want you to understand why this was a miracle. Because as a fisherman, on the Sea of Galilee, you would only catch tilapia at nighttime. And what they would have, they'd have lights on the ends of the boat. And the lights would be over the bow, and these lanterns would draw the bugs, which would then draw the tilapia to the surface. And they would throw the nets out. They would catch the fish at night. That's how they caught fish. He said, so you fished all night and didn't catch anything, huh? Jesus says, throw your net over in the middle of the day. Peter's thinking, you know what? He doesn't know anything about fishing. He doesn't know that there's no fish here. He doesn't know that the fish aren't going to be drawn by, there's no lanterns. You got the light. There's no way we're going to have enough fish go in a net in the middle of the day. And when they caught all those fish, 153, they drew it in. They said they were large fish, big fish, and the net didn't break. In Peter's mind, that was a miracle. That was impossible to just happen and then they get on the shore and it's jesus he's already baked some baked some fish already got some some uh, bread there for him he's like come on boys just sit down i need to talk to you one last time about what just happened and you got to realize what did jesus say to his disciples when he first commissioned them when he first met them on the Sea of Galilee, did he say to them that you will be fishers of fish? Fishers of men. 153 fish represents 100. There's at that, in the known world at that time, there is known to be 153 different species of fish. When you read something in the scripture that is very specific, like 153, you got to realize it's been put in there for a reason. Because, you know, a, f- a fisherman will tell a big story. How many fish did you catch? I don't know. I caught a hundred. But, but John is being very specific in writing this, saying there was 153 fish. Why? Because you're to be a fisher of men, and you're going to go into the worlds where 153 fish Uh, Species of fish represent all of humanity. And the good news of the gospel is going to go forth through you because you are fisher of men. And we're going to see all nations come unto the Lord, even the big fish. Kings and queens of all nations and nationalities. You're going to be a fisher of men. And so in that, they caught all these fish and they're on the seashore. And finally, they solidify. Into, Jesus solidifies the good news of a death, burial, and resurrection and that it is a fact, it is eternal, and it is forever. It is something that has been completed and finished. You don't have to work up now your own salvation. The scripture says, no one is good, not one. No good people Make it into heaven No one is good because the, the predicament is this: there's a problem for humanity, and the problem is this: that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Why have we all have sinned? It's because of Adam first sinned in the first sin with Adam when he fell and sinned against God, it says all men sinned. It was kind of like the bubonic plague went to everybody. So in Adam's fall, all sinned. So the condition, the problem is this. Humanity, every single person has sinned. And the predicament is that the wages of sin is death. And in that, with death being the understanding or the result of our sin, the solution to that is this. Is that God demonstrated His love for you 2,000 years ago. In that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you on the cross. The result or, or the solution to man humanity's predicament is the love of God that was demonstrated through his son by his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's liberated you, forgiven you, and has given you a new life, and has told the tormentor, get out of here. No longer... Do you have a hold on my children? The solution to the problem with humanity is the good news of Jesus that he died for your sin. So he paid for it in full so that you will not have to carry it anymore and removed it from you. So the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a gift. It is by God's grace that you're saved. It's by God's loving grace that He snatched you out of, of, of the pit that you were in, in your condition of being separated from God. And the result is this. Romans ten nine says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised Him from the dead, Scripture says you will be saved. So you can understand now why believing is so important. Because believing in His resurrection, believing that He rose from the grave for you is so imperative. Why? So you might be saved for eternity. It all comes down do you believe? That's why Jesus kept having to drill it down into the hearts of his disciples. Come on, guys. Believe. believe. Believe in me. Believe that I paid the price. I paid it all. It's finished. You don't have to do anything. Just receive it. And the benefit of that. Is that you'll be set free from fear forever, the fear of dying and being separated from God, the fear of being tormented by the evil one. Romans 10:13 says this, "For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling upon his beautiful, wonderful name, you shall be saved. Our Savior. Paid it all. So is it important to believe what Jesus has done for you? Is it important to believe that he suffered and died for you? Is it important to believe that he went through such agony and such pain because of his love for you? Is it important to believe that if you were the only one on this planet, he would have died for you? If you were the only one, he loved you so much that he would have died for you. You're that valuable to him. You're that valuable to him. Because you know what? Hell was not made for us. Hell was made for the devil and his demons. And that's why when I looked at my dad, I said, Dad, the thought of you being in torment forever tears up my heart. I can't imagine you being separated from me forever. I can't imagine you being in torment forever. I said, Dad, forever is a long time. I looked at him. And I said, that's a long time, Dad. Eternity. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a long time, Dad. Aren't you ready to believe? And he said, yes, I am. You know, my heart, the Lord is here. He's to save us. He's here to save some that have You've heard this story, but you know what? You've not yet received this story into your heart by believing it. I believe that there's to be those that are to be blood-bought today by the living God who are finally going to surrender their heart and say, Jesus, I received this good news. I received this good news. And not only do we have the benefit of being saved by the cross of Jesus, we also have the benefit of being healed because he bore all of our sickness. He took our sickness and carried away our diseases and by his stripes were healed. So not only do you have the power to be set free from fear, be saved and blood bought, you also have the opportunity today to be healed in your body. If you're struggling in your body with any illness, Jesus paid for it. He's like, and it was a big cost. It was my body. And you're healed if you believe. Do you believe? You know, it's kind of like he paid for it in full. And you have a bank account that has a billion dollars in it that is for your healing. He paid for it and it's sitting in your account. And he just wants you to take your ATM card and go in and withdraw... Into your account, the healing that's already been paid for, it's already there. You just have to believe it's in there. There's not insufficient funds. There's money in there. So you just receive your healing. So what I'd like for us to do, if I could ask the worship team, come on up. I have some really good news today. And the good news is this. Jesus has paid your debt in full. And what was your debt? Sin. And he paid for it in full with his blood.